Latina Robinson, the WNBA playoffs begin tonight. And so much has happened in the sport that you love, in the sport that you cover. And I'm just kind of struggling to describe how we got here. So is there a word you want to use to describe the scene at the finish line of the regular season? Pablo, there is one word. It has been a wild summer, to say the least. LaChina Robinson is a former All-ACC center at Wake Forest who is in her 15th season of covering the WNBA. From the playoff format change and teams fighting for hosting positions in the top four to coming down to two spots left in the top eight to get into the playoffs on the final day of the regular season, we've had contract divorces We've had lots of coaching (laughs) changes that played out this season. I mean, it has been tumultuous and wild at best. Yeah, so hold on, because the format changing, understand this is now best of three in the first round, no buys for the top seeds, no reseeding after the first round. I get all of that. But let's just walk through some of the stuff that you just said, because a contract divorce, what exactly happened there? Yeah, well, we had two contract divorces this summer. Tina Charles and the Phoenix Mercury reached an agreement to have a divorce uh, where she actually made the move midseason from Phoenix to Seattle, which has been very beneficial as it turns out to the storm. And then there was also the um, very highly publicized divorce between Liz Cambage and the L.A. Sparks, to which end the Sparks are not in the playoffs, not necessarily because of Liz, but we also don't expect to see Liz Cambage in the WNBA anytime soon. So mm. it's been interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize we were in the conscious uncoupling phase of the WNBA, <laughs> where we're getting these high-profile separations while also, by the way, saying goodbye, waving goodbye to Hall of Famers. Yes, that has also been a big part of this summer. Uh, Two future Hall of Famers in Sue Bird and Sylvia Fowles are saying goodbye to the WNBA. Sylvia's career ended on Sunday at the end of the regular season um, as the Minnesota Lynx did not make the playoffs. And in my opinion, Sylvia Fowles is the best center to have ever played in the WNBA when you look at what she accomplished Mm. with um, you know, two championships, the finals MVPs, the MVP, the four-time defensive player of the year, the way she played the game with power, just a traditional back-to-the-basket post player that dominated on the glass, inside the paint, uh, like no one that ever played in this league. And just to put icing on the cake, uh, she ended her career leading the WNBA in rebounding at the age of 36, which is just Man. crazy because at 36, I could barely get out of bed. <laughs> on the other side of things, we have the icon in Sue Bird, who is the quintessential point guard um, who has meant so much to the WNBA. I mean, her name is synonymous with this league. Yes, she is the all-time leader in games played, all-time leader in assists, um, you know, just so many records and five gold medals and four championships. She's won a championship in every decade that she's played in. But more than anything, uh, she's just been so much to the growth of women's sports, her voice, her advocacy, her leadership. So we are losing two tremendous players, but also people that have meant so much to the game. 
are we at the point, China, finally, where Sue Bird's retirement means that there will be nobody in the WNBA that you personally have played against at some level of basketball? Oh, well, no, I think we have one more. Diana Taurasi. I played against Diana mm. when she was at Connecticut. So we've got one more to go, Pablo. I'm not all I'm not <laughs> done yet. Sometimes it feels like the WNBA is never done making national news. There was the social movement built inside the WNBA bubble, and then the time the Atlanta Dream helped flip a U.S. Senate seat in Georgia. Remember that? And now it's the wrongful detainment of Brittany Griner in Russia, which very understandably looms over everything. But today, as the WNBA playoffs tip off at 8 p.m. Eastern, the China Robinson walks us through a surplus of storylines that are unfolding on the court itself that should not be overlooked either because they might decide a new playoff tournament that is overflowing with drama of its own. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Wednesday, August 17th, and this is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, China, I want to start our conversation breaking down the bracket here with the matchup between the one seed Las Vegas Aces, who I know are also favored, fittingly enough, to win it all in Vegas, and the eight seeded Phoenix Mercury. And you had mentioned Diana Taurasi being the last remaining player that you had played against personally, but I also know that we're dealing with news. At the moment, in terms of, gosh, just another bit of chaos for the Phoenix Mercury. And this is chaos, by the way, that is beyond the fact that we are in day 181 of Brittany Griner's detention in Russia, as she happens to become the most famous political prisoner in the world. A story, of course, that we've covered a lot on ESPN Daily. But let's just dive into Diana here. What's going on with her at the moment? Yeah, I mean, with everything you just said, Pablo, the number one question, the top of mind for everyone coming into the playoffs is how in the world did the Phoenix Mercury make it into the field? And yes, Diana Tarazi that we know of right now uh, will not play in the playoffs at all due to a quad injury. Um, she's been out down the stretch of the regular season. Skylar Diggins-Smith is out for the remainder of the season as well due to personal reasons. Um, you're absolutely right in that, you know, Brittany Griner and everything that has happened with, um, you know, her detainment is just been weighing heavily on this team and this organization all season long. First year head coach Vanessa Nygaard comes in, is dealing with some dynamics that I know she didn't anticipate, including Skylar and Diana Tarazi having a very public dispute on uh, the bench. A little extra testiness on the Mercury bench between Skylar Diggins-Smith and Diana Taurasi. 
Oh, to be a fly on Turner's shoulder to hear that conversation. Well, Dick and Smith, she's got... Right. Explain explain what happened there, LaChina, because you've basically mentioned with Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins-Smith and Tina Charles, all of these big names who are now not going to be playing, but the Skylar Diggins-Smith dynamic with Diana was what exactly? Yeah, you know, I don't know that we ever really figured out what was happening there. Um, but I know from what we could see, we saw two very highly competitive players having a moment, which happens, right? Like, I, I said this all season long. At best, that was just a heated moment between two competitive players. At worst, they don't like each other. But you don't have to like each other to win basketball games. And I know that there was a clown emoji involved at some point. There with was. China, where Vanessa Nygaard was trying to campaign for Diana Taurasi, who got snubbed from the All-Star game, and Skylar Diggins-Smith objected to it. What happened there as, as it relates to everything you just said? Yeah, so there definitely was a moment on Twitter where Skylar uh, put a clown emoji over some comments from her coach, seemingly feeling kind of left out as Vanessa disregarded the entire... Uh, WNBA All-Star Game because Diana Taurasi was not playing in it. Now, she actually did give Skylar her respect um, in in her comments, but I I think, you know, Skylar definitely was disappointed, um, understandably, and, um, you know, let her, her feelings be felt on Twitter. I believe that that was some insight into maybe some strained dynamics between head coach and Skylar Diggins Smith. And so just give us the X's and O's in terms of the uphill battle that this team with this coach who is missing all of these stars, again, that you just mentioned, which is something that I just don't think has ever happened like at any level of professional basketball. Just all of these big names just disappearing from your team as you begin the playoffs. What's it going to be like to play the Las Vegas Aces? Oh, it's going to be tough. They're taking on a Las Vegas Aces team that has four all-stars on paper, but really has five when you think about the play of Chelsea Gray. And Phoenix honestly has put up a fight towards the end of the season to make it into the playoffs without Skyler, without uh, Diana Taurasi. And you have to tip your hat to the play of Diamond DeShields and Sophie Cunningham, Shea Petty, Brianna Turner. I mean, that group has come together to show a lot of fight, but let's not get this confused. They are very much... Um, <laughs> they're on the low side, the talent on on paper, at least when it comes yeah. to facing up against Vegas. Yeah, so they have in Vegas, they have a front runner for MVP in Asia Wilson, who had won the award back in 2020. They have basically been the picture of stability in contrast. I mean, how good is it right now to be playing for the Las Vegas Aces? Oh, man. Really good. Um, you know, with the play of Asia Wilson leading the way, Kelsey Plum, who is could be most improved, but will definitely be first team all WNBA. Jackie Young, who started the season as an MVP candidate, and is going to be most improved, in my opinion, this season. I mean, they're so stacked. And the team that is also stacked, the team that has the second best odds to win the title behind the Aces, is the Chicago Sky, who beat the Mercury last season to win it all. And now... They find themselves the two seed playing this New York Liberty team that needed the last day of the regular season, as you alluded to earlier, to get into the field at all. So where do you want to start in assessing this series? You have to start with Chicago's depth. In my opinion, they are the deepest team in the league. And James Wade, no doubt, should be the executive of the year in the WNBA for the job that he did in putting this roster together. I mean, he starts three finals MVPs. 
in his lineup with Candace Parker, Emma Misaman, and Kalia Copper. And so the talent just goes on and on. And in New York, on the other side of that, though, Pablo, I mean, come on. Sabrina Ionescu willed this team into the playoffs on her back in just her third season in the WNBA. And honestly... Third season. And we've been waiting. We've been waiting for her. We've been we waiting to, to watch this, basically. We have, but she's been injured. And third season is a stretch because she missed her entire first season due to injury. So it's really only been in this league two years. Um, but she's finally healthy, Pablo, and playing at a high level, averaging 18 points, six assists, seven rebounds per game, had you know several triple doubles this season. But I think what the game changers for New York in this series are one- They've got Benajah Laney back. Only played a few games down the stretch of the regular season, but she's a 2021 All-Star, was most improved player in 2020, all-defensive team as well. She just gives them a toughness. I thought it was Laney who led them into the playoffs last season, Sabrina this year, but her toughness, like Laney it can give them scoring from all over the floor. She's shooting the three well. Um, you know, averaging 11 points per game, but just that's like the type of wrinkle that you get that back right before the playoffs and no one is prepared to play you because they haven't had to prepare for Benajah Laney. But I also understand that China that Laney's only been back for about five games, right? So how do you assess like who we're really going to be getting in terms of the best versions of these two teams? For New York, their best version is always when they're knocking down the three. I mean, Maureen Johannes, Sammy Whitcomb, of course, Sabrina Ionescu. I mean, they can put five players on the floor that can knock down the three ball. And to me, that is when New York is at their finest. I mean, their their offense, and especially in their pick and roll game, it is tough to guard. And for Chicago, it's really going to come down to their defense. They lost two of their last three to in the regular season versus Seattle and Vegas, two very good teams. But their defense just has not been stellar. They gave up 37 assists to Seattle, a WNBA record, and they allowed Vegas to shoot 46% from the field, 43% from three-point land in that loss. So, ah, James Wade definitely has to light a fire under his defense. And so the notion of Chicago trying to go back-to-back with China, give us a sense of why that's so difficult in this league, why they have a chance to do it maybe, or do they have a chance really? It's so difficult in this league because, I mean, it's competitive. You know, I know the number is not really at 144 anymore because we have a few rosters at 11, but the women in this league are the best in the world. And I, and I think something else that has changed since the last time this was done by the L.A. Sparks in 0102 um, is that there's been a lot of big free agency moves. Um, you know, a lot of players moving teams, Candace Parker, one, for example. So you're not just taking the blueprint of last year and necessarily trying to repeat in all instances. In fact, I remember the year that L.A. won, Christy Tolliver left at the end of that year and went to D.C. So that automatically kind of changed the dynamic for a repeat. So with the, the rosters kind of changing due to the new CBA, I believe it just makes it challenging to keep the stability, the consistency, and be able to pay your players in, in order to repeat. All right, LaChina, after the break, I want to talk about the rest of the field and the one player who has changed teams approximately zero times and might just be one of the greatest to ever do it. Delicious meat nutritious. 
in the snack that packs a real protein punch, Wonderful Pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful Pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is, not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, LaChina, if anybody out there has watched a minute of the WNBA, if they've listened to this podcast before, they know that this is Sue Bird's last dance. But I also want to give the Seattle Storm as a whole their flowers here as they head into this matchup against the Washington Mystics. This is a 4-5 seed matchup because the Storm are looking to win their fifth title, which would be the most in league history. They have the most playoff experience out of anybody in this postseason. This is their seventh straight playoffs, actually. So how do you assess the difference in experience and how that affects a series like this? Well, anytime you match up against the Seattle Storm in Seattle, it's going to be tough. And I say that because, in my opinion, Seattle had one job down the stretch of the regular season, and that was to put themselves in position to host, and they did that. We knew that the four and five seed were going to be Seattle and Washington. We just didn't know who would be where. And by landing back at Climate Pledge Arena with Sue Bird, maybe playing in her final game, almost every game in the playoffs, that place will be rocking. The energy will be through the roof. And that's what you want when you're talking about the playoffs. So they did their job in that sense. Now, the challenge for Seattle when it comes to the Washington Mystics is three letters. E-D-D, and that's Elena Deladon. Mm. Um, Elena has played outstanding basketball this season. Now, granted, she hasn't been available for every game, just nursing that back injury where she had surgery over the last couple of years, trying to get her some rest, you know, limiting her travel. But she has been full go for the most part down the stretch of the regular season. And that is great for the Washington Mystics. Now, she is two for her last 17 from three-point land. I know that according to Washington Post, Kareem Copeland, her dad came in and was helping her a little bit with her shot mechanics, something she does often as her dad was um, the maestro of her career and helping her Mm. develop her shot. But she's going to obviously be a big part of things. And then Natasha Cloud, who suffered a knee injury in their final regular season game against the Indiana Fever. So that's really scary for Mike Tebow because she is absolutely the head of the snake will probably be first team all defense in the WNBA. 
And it's just the driving force for everything they do on both ends. So you hope that she is healthy against a potent Seattle offense. Um, but it'll also come down to their bench contributions. You know, I think Washington has the ability to be a dangerous team in terms of their depth. Um, and they will need to show that against Seattle. And so if you are trying to solve the problem of EDD and you're Seattle, how are you going about that issue? Well, the good thing for Seattle is they made a midseason addition that I believe helps them on both sides of the floor, including could help defensively against Elena Deladon, and that's Tina Charles. Mm. There was a lot of controversy when Seattle decided to add Tina Charles to their roster because in the middle of the season, it's tough. Like, will you have enough time to build your chemistry? You know, Tina is a player that is a future Hall of Famer, has been an MVP in this league, you know, led the league in scoring last season. But it seems like things are really turning out well with the addition of Tina. They now start four number one picks in the starting lineup for Seattle. Mm. No one else can boast that. So Noel Quinn has a lot of talent and it's starting to really come together. You know, each team has their strengths, EDD and defense for Washington. Seattle is their depth, their talent. Yes, they have Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart, who could be named MVP. At the end of the day, I think it's just a lot to handle with what Seattle has on their roster. Yeah, Latina, I want to be careful not to just yada, yada, yada over Brianna Stewart. Another one of those number one picks that you mentioned that Seattle has stockpiled. What are we supposed to expect from her as she is, you know, the best player on this team, really? Well, and she honestly is going to be the best matchup for Elena Deladon, in my opinion, because Brianna Stewart is so much of an underrated defender. And I say underrated because her offense is so good that we forget to talk about her defense. Um, you know, as a 6'4 forward, she was leading the league in steals for much of the season. Her wingspan and her level of activity on the defensive end, shooting the gap is just so impressive. I mean, she's had a great season, um, has been really fun to watch on both ends of the floor. And it has a lot to do with just her relentless pursuit of the basketball and her motor, like never stops moving, never stops playing. And she's a matchup nightmare for the opponent. And so both sides have their work cut out for them in guarding two of the players that I enjoy watching most in this league. I want to turn to the Sun and the Wings, LaChina, because the Connecticut Sun, they've come close to winning their first title, right? They've reached the semifinals or further in each of the past three seasons. They made the finals in 2019. They've unfortunately lost all three of the finals that they've made, but they are looking like a analytics darling right now. Can you explain why? Why is it looking like this season actually might be different than the ones before? Well, Pablo, quite honestly, the biggest difference from last season to this year for the Connecticut Sun is having a healthy Alyssa Thomas in their lineup all season. You know, Alyssa came back at the end of the regular season last year and played great basketball. I mean, she had suffered an Achilles tear, which caused her to, to miss the first part of the season. But when she came back, you couldn't even tell. Um, you know, that she was coming off of an injury. But this year has played in all 36 games. And I expect that she will be named to first or second team all WNBA when teams are announced because she has just been, to me, the best player for the Connecticut Sun. I mean, she's a bull in a china shop. Uh, had a couple of triple doubles this year. Um, you know, it's 6'4", can just bully you in the post, on the glass, you know, is excellent in transition, another point forward, much like Candace Parker. So her being healthy to me is important for the Sun. Now, that first 
finals appearance that they had in 2019, they didn't have a lot of experience. So this is a team now that comes back that has been in a couple of wars, except they lost their point guard, Jasmine Thomas, to start the season. Mm. And so this has been a season of what Kurt Miller would call tinkering with his lineup to try to find out or figure out what the best combination of players is on the perimeter. His front line is set. Reigning MVP, John Quill Jones, Alyssa Thomas, Brianna Jones, sixth player coming off of the bench, Dewana Bonner. I mean, they are front line solid. But in the backcourt, you lose a player like Jasmine Thomas with her experience, with her defense, with her steadiness. And you then also lose Bria Hartley later in the season, who might have been a good fill-in for that. And, you know, Natisha Heideman has had to step up as, you know, one of the younger, least experienced players on the roster. And she's done a solid job. But the question is, will the addition of Odyssey Sims be that veteran piece on the perimeter that they need to get over the hump? They started out signing her to a seven-day contract right at the end of the season, her first game. I actually called it. It was Connecticut against the Phoenix Mercury. And Odyssey has got vast experience in this league as a guard, played on the finals team with LA Sparks back in 2017. But do they have enough time to get their chemistry meshed for there really to be a place of impact for Odyssey Sims? I talked to John Quill Jones yesterday. She really feels like Sims is the piece that could get them over the hump in the playoffs. And I'm sure Kurt Miller is hoping exactly for that. Yeah, you talked to John Quill yesterday. What's the vibe like as she's been describing it? All business. John Quill is always just locked in. She gave a lot of props to Alyssa Thomas, said she should be in the MVP conversation. Again, talked a lot about the addition of Odyssey Sims, but just feels like getting Courtney Williams back is huge for them. And that this is a team that now has everything that they need, at least on paper, to be able to finally get to the finals and win that first championship, as all of us have been wondering, when is it going to happen for the Connecticut Sun? Well, it could be this year. Yeah, so the team they have to beat in the first round, the Dallas Wings, I mean, I know them mostly as the team that's been at the top of the draft the past few years. They've gotten Arike Agunbuwale, they've gotten Satu Sabali, they've gotten Isabel Harrison, but, you know, I'm looking at their record and they're a 500 team, the China, and they've been injured. So what's the prognosis like for the Dallas Wings right now? First and foremost, you have to give all the credit to Vicki Johnson and what she's done with this young team. There were times in this season where I was counting the Dallas Wings out because I just felt like it was a team that didn't have the leadership that they needed, had some moments of immaturity, but boy, have they turned the corner. And it's shocking to believe that they've been able to do this for the most part without the services of Arike Agumbawale, who they missed down the stretch of the regular season. And then ultimately, you know, they announced that she is out for the WNBA playoffs. She's already had surgery. So no Arike Agumbawale, who once was the scoring champ in this league, mm. then what happens? Well, I'll tell you what has happened. Six, seven, Tierra McCowan in the middle has been fantastic. I mean, she's double figures in 10 of her last 11. Just a really strong offensive rebounder. You know, has found a level of aggressiveness and toughness on the offensive end that is going to be tough for teams to compete with. She is hard to move. She's not one of those hybrid fives that wants to get out and shoot the three and bring the ball at the floor. She's just like almost like a Sylvia Fowles type in, in terms of the domination and the strength on the interior. So her stepping up and playing better has been huge. You know what you're getting from Marina Mabry, Alicia Gray, Kayla Thornton, especially with Gray and Thornton in their defense. Just three really tough players, hard-nosed players. Now, will Satu Sabli return? 
I have heard that she's been going through some shooting drills here and there, but very unsure of her availability for the playoffs. But if they continue to get strong play from their backcourt and Veronica Burton, Ty Harris at that point guard spot, to me, this Dallas team, because they have nothing to lose, and I've always talked about the level of fearlessness that they play with, they could be a scary playoff team. Mm. Well, speaking of fearlessness, LaChina, we've gotten to the point in the podcast where we ask you to make a prediction. Who is going to win this thing? Who is going to be the last team standing at the end of the road here? Pablo, you know I love you. But because I have to walk into these arenas and call games and sit and shoot around, (laughs) I would not dare give that prediction right now but what I will say is I do think it's going to be extremely hard to take away home court advantage from Las Vegas Mm. they now have it all throughout the playoffs through the finals as the number one seed and that's big sometimes that's all the advantage that you do have is that you're going to play in front of your own fans and sleep in your own bed but With the way Seattle's playing, with Chicago's depth, with Connecticut's determination, the top four are all in the conversation. And I guess everyone will just have to tune in and watch. And it sounds like China, as someone who is far from done, as you said at the beginning here, your bed is going to be kind of a distant memory for the next couple of weeks here. Oh, yes, absolutely. But I'm looking forward to it, Pablo. This is the best time of the year. This is going to be a fun playoff run, and I'm excited to be a part of it. The China Robinson, we are always happy to have you on the show. We're always looking forward to listening to you call these games. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Pablo. Appreciate you having me. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.